Hello, Michael Worth here, and welcome to the All Walks of Art podcast, a podcast for artists of, from all walks of life. And I just about buggered that up, Paul. Already, I'm getting into it. Grab a comfy chair, your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. On today's episode, my insanely encourageable co-host, Paul, and I chat with a special guest. I'm kind of excited about this one, actually. We drink some ale from a talented beer-making wizard at Six Cents Brewing. That's hard for me to say already. I've only had one glass of booze. And we talk about so much more. I feel like I'm butchering this intro, Paul. No, I'm like that. All right. So once again, I'm delighted to have my friend and savior of Italian virginity and champion of pizza for everyone, Paul Ramey. Hey, and a zippity wow to you too. <laughs> I'm know. trying to catch race, zippity wow. You know, zippity wow. Yeah, really? zippity wow. That's that's weird. Yeah. So uh, that's a big can. That is a big can. It'll, how many ounces is that? Well, it's only 32 ounces, but it's called a crowler. I don't know what that, that way you can pick up beer straight from the brewery, and uh, they just make they put it into a can for you, so it lasts a little longer. They they pour it out of the uh, out of the tap, right? right okay. Yeah, I yeah. Suppose. That way it's good. This is a coffee double brown ale called Prodigious. It's nine point two percent. Kind of excited about it. I might hate it, probably. Ain't it? Yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> being being that way. Anyway, without further delay, let me welcome to the show. Our special guest, producer, engineer, musician, and all-around cool cat, coming all the way from Louisiana, Ian Severson. How you doing? Hey. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, uh, we need to talk a little bit. Let our our listeners kind of know. I think we met, what was it, about nine years ago? You were on tour with Future Leaders of the World? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to say, was it in Dayton? Yeah, it was. Probably 2011? I think so, yeah. yeah. I was actually looking for pictures in my archives, thinking maybe I could pull a couple out and look at them and stuff, but I've got discs, hard drives all over the place in my house. We moved since then, so they're in a box in my storage area somewhere. But uh, I've got to give you all credit, too. I think out of any, you know random photography that i've seen of the ba- uh, any bands i've been in or of myself or whatever uh the one that you snapped from that show i think is still to this day probably my favorite oh nice quote unquote selfie i've ever had snapped of me so i appreciate that one. that was cool fun story on that when we went outside to do the uh the group photo with was it quarterfly i think it was quarterfly i believe so yep we went out there to do that i was so anxious about getting it right and doing everything that and it was so cold that nothing was really working out well and that one to this day still reminds me that no matter how hard you prepare things can fail (laughs) that's when the magic happens right yeah right (laughs) without fail things will fail that's right that's right so i want to get on to the subject of of beat devil music how did that how did how did that come to be? So, I guess the name itself, uh, my old band from Minneapolis, Ginger Jake, um, that started around 2002, 2003. Um, we we had you know we got matched up with some management and and a and a law firm, entertainment law firm, and you know I wasn't a member of any 
rights organizations at the time. I was a kid at the time. And so we had to pick a, a publishing moniker. And uh, I don't I don't know how I came up with it. I think I was looking up literally like browsing through a dictionary one day looking for d- different meanings of the word devil or something or evil. Not that I am. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I consider myself to be a pretty upstanding citizen. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of just came up with that name for my publishing moniker. And then uh, um, I think around 2011, um, when I around the time I moved to New Orleans, uh, when I started kind of my own production company, I just named it that. So. Very cool. Very cool. I was uh, actually kind of wondering about how, how it came to be. I was looking at the dates of when when it all started. And, and you've got quite a team there you've put together. Tell me a little bit about the different folks you work with um, in the area and, and abroad. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess I've had, had the luxury over the years of just meeting a lot of good musicians, uh, had opportunity to work with a lot of good engineers, um, people from like Cameron Webb in uh, Southern California. I think that was one of my first good experiences with, um, with, with, you know, bona fide recording studio. Um, you know, Cameron's done everything from Tenacious D to uh, Limp Biscuit. Uh, I think he did like the last five Motorhead records. Um, so, you know, uh, I've worked with people like that. Um, musicians from sign bands, you know, have gotten to rub shoulders with Jerry Cantrell. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of uh, Beat Devil music, um, you know, this, I, I guess, as late of, of the last five years, um, since I've been out of future leaders of the world, I've just um, kind of made the rounds, uh, you know, uh, reached out to, to people that I respect in the industry. Um, mostly a lot of singers um, because of the fact that I'm not one. Um, you know, I'm more of a songwriter, never been a front man. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, we live in a world of plagiarism for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think with writing or music, there's a term called intertextuality, which is basically the premise that, you know, you can't, you can't come up with any, you can't reinvent the wheel. You know, you're always kind of vibing off of things that you've read or listened to um, from the past art wise. And uh, you build off of that, you know, for whatever new material you come up with. So, um, you know, I've reached out to, People like uh, uh, Stu Johnson from The Pimps and Little Rock, Arkansas. I mean, not Little Rock. Uh, where's he at? Rockford, Illinois. Um, a handful of good singers from Minneapolis, from where I'm from. Um, you know, so basically, like, uh, I'm just in the spirit of collaboration lately, and, and you know, I'll write, I'll write a song that has, you know, you know, it's all kind of rooted in rock, I guess, but I also like hip hop mm-hmm. and rap, so. Um, you know, speaking of cold world, that was a track that was like, I had kind of in the vaults from a scratch track from a studio in Minneapolis from like 13 years ago. <laughs> nice. I, I, I stumbled upon it the other day and was like, you know, I, I should, it didn't fit ginger Jake. It, it, you know, I think I even showed it to Phil from future leaders at one point. And it was just a little, a little out of both of those singers wheelhouse. It's, uh, um, it's really timely for right now though. So, I mean, it's, so you wrote it a long time ago. Yeah, the initial riff, yeah. Um, okay. I'm say that's circa like 2007. 
Um, but I kind of revisited it and I sent it to uh, my cousin Morgan, uh, who lives in Tucson, Arizona. He's also uh, he's a classical guitar player and went to uh, recording school in Chicago. But he's an MC. Sent it to him and he liked it and he kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, man, he crushed the vocals on it. Him and his partner. And so just kind of, I guess the the, the timing of everything, uh, you know. Um, yeah. What's happening in the world right now? Exactly. Kind of, and kind of, fit, kind of came, one of those that just came together. To to bring everybody up to to speed on this, we're we're talking about the new single "Cold World," uh, featuring uh, people from the Sun and uh, a group from New Orleans called Killer House. Yep, Killer House is a gentleman named Gene Fabre. He's uh, he's he's a local guy that um, you know he gets around. He's he's predominantly a DJ, but he's also a drummer, okay. multi multi instrumentalist, but. Yeah, he, the the scratching you hear on that song is courtesy of him. I so. see, I see. Yeah, I uh, I gave it a listen uh, when you when you sent it over to me, and I was like, man, this is there's a lot going on in this. I mean, it really is, and it's it's I don't even really know how to put it into words because as I was listening to it, there's there's such a impact, but yet it's oddly uplifting, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it's 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 dark, but it's not. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I think it it tries to uh, address. So you know, I, me not being the lyricist, you know, uh, when I when I was kind of talking about with my cousin about, you know, he's like, well, what do you want me to sing about? And I was like, well, sing about what impacts your life, man. What's life like in Tucson? My my cousin. Let me. I guess I should say also that my cousin is is. Uh, half hispanic is um you know my mom and his his uh my mom and his his father are siblings and uh my so my uncle moved to tucson as a young man married a aztec chilean woman so you know i think my cousin as a you know he looks hispanic even though he's half irish <laughs> um you know i'm sure he deals with the discrimination on a weekly basis in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I just said, hey, you know, speak from the heart, man. Uh, sing about what's important to you. So that's what he did. Awesome. You mentioned uh, gravitating towards singers because you're not one. When you're in the songwriting process, do you usually have a, a voice in mind of like, hey, I know exactly who should be on this or do you wait till you get it all done and then it starts to present itself? No, I think, yeah, I think I kind of, um, you know, because I've this, these EPs that I'm going to be coming out with over the next couple months, you know, it ranges from, you know, some influence, death metal influences to, uh, you know, more singer songwriter, kind of an acoustic track. So, um, you know, I kind of go through my contact list and myself and I'm like, which guy, who would be good for this, you know, and I, I kind of try to cherry pick it. Um, so I, I do kind of have a vision. I just don't. Um, say, hey, man, do this. I know you're not a metal singer, but go do this, you know? Right. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw a few tracks out to a few different people and see who bites, see, you know, because I think the best art is created by somebody who, you know, you have to, it's, you got to feel something if you hear it. hundred percent. hundred percent. And that's not to say that, you know, I've sent this to some guys like, I, for instance, uh, 
friend of mine, uh, Adam Pierce here in uh, New Orleans, where he was on the, I want to say The Voice, which which is the show with Adam Levine. That's The Voice, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's The Voice. So a- a- Adam Pierce was, um, he and I are, are collaborating on a track right now. And I had actually had some feedback for this Cold World track uh, from my music manager. And they said, you know, they're like, it'd be cool to hear like a, a real like aggro punk uh rock vocal to accentuate the the hook the chorus section of the song so there actually might be an alternative version but you know i threw the song out to adam pierce who's got a very uh his wheelhouse is kind of uh acdc led zeppelin he's, he's got that tone of voice and uh you know he listened to the track he's like man great track but you know this just this isn't me and no offense taken you know so right um cool but there's another song that he and I are working on that is a bit more rock metal that is in his wheelhouse that he likes. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's been an interesting, fun process because I've never, I've, you know, I kind of stole the idea from the, if you know, Dave Grohl's uh, ProBot oh, project, yeah. you know, where he had, you know, he sought out all of his favorite influences from his childhood singer wise and made a record that way. And, you know, the rap world's been doing mixtapes with, you know, a featured vocalist. You know, you go through your favorite rap record and it's vocals featured by, you know, so-and-so. Oh, yeah. So it's not a new concept, but I just felt, you know, I know so many cool people and I don't currently have like a live band that I'm touring with. Mm-hmm. That'd just be like a, a cool project. <laughs> now that I've gotten into it, it's proven <laughs> to be a lot of work. Right. Having to, like, I think I'm at like upwards of 20 people now that I'm, you know, collaborating with on these songs, but it's, it's fun. Keep I can't busy. wait to hear it. Yeah, that's Thank really you. cool. Can we, uh, can we talk about cho- uh, chocolate shotgun sessions? Yeah, sure. Uh, is, uh, that, is that really what we're talking about now? Is that, is that really where you're going with this? Is that, I guess. Yeah, uh, kind of, uh, Cold World was kind of a, I guess, not an afterthought, but because of the timeliness of the content of the song, with what's going on and you know george floyd and black lives matters and um you know i really wanted i, I had another song kind of slated for the single before the first ep came out but i kind of shuffled things around and and put all my emphasis onto this one to get it out in time nice. um, but uh yeah so this i guess is it'll probably end up on on the first ep so Working titles. I'm thinking uh, Chocolate Shotgun Sessions. That name was actually um, so. The drummer uh, is a good friend of mine, Derek Abrams, uh, who's on five, six, maybe seven of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Derek was he played in a band called Skywine from Minneapolis. Um, his old singer Wally is actually going to be uh, Wally Joseph is is one of the singers on one of the tracks as well. Um, sorry if I'm rambling. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but, this uh, is the hard part of the show because we're not yeah. all drinking uh, fast enough. <laughs> yeah, right, right, all right. Well, speaking of which, I've got a, a nice uh, Andy Gator local beer here from Abita Brewing that I'm sipping on. So. Oh, nice. I, I think I've had that before. Well, this thing Mike just made me drink is just terrible. Just so oh, no, no, is it's it? not terrible. Oh, God. It's, what you got? It's called Prodigious. It's a coffee double brown ale. So okay. it's, got, it's got the um, the brown ale flavor. Uh, I don't want to say like a Newcastle, but it has a brown ale Newcastle type oh. 
flavor to it. Oh, okay. Well, then I hate Newcastle flavor and prodigious <laughs> must but, stand for no, disgusting. No, but this is, this is so much thicker and and better. And it's got a little bit of a, a coffee blend, and that's that's probably why you don't like it. I've got an IPA in there if you would rather do that. But yeah. uh, 9.2%. I The guys at Sixth Sense, uh, they, they just they make great beer. They really do. And I, I, I just can't. I can't help it, Paul, that you just don't drink good beer. I know. Well, I don't. I don't drink beer. Period. So it's all varying levels of terrible to me, so, except but, for that doom pedal. I did. But like Ian, that. Ian's having an Abita. So yeah, that, the hell Doppelbach. Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So that's a good um, beer. I'm sure. Yeah, it's I, better, I kinda, it's, I'm sure it's better than what we're having over here. So oh. Let's just. There went well, our endorsement. Yeah. Hey, I got to be honest. Kind of swore off. I kind of swore off beer. I went through some back surgeries this year and uh, went, went gluten-free, lost 30 pounds, probably attributed to, you know, staving off some beer, beer consumption. I switched over to Moscow Mules for a minute, but when you said uh, find a local beer, I was like, ah, I can make an exception. For today. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's cool. I mean, we can, we can do all kinds of things, really. Uh, I usually end up – Paul gets a taste, and then I end up usually finishing everything off. So I was – Originally thinking maybe we could try two different beers today, but I knew that would just, uh, I'd start getting sloppy by the end of the show. <laughs> As we're taking a weird time. Well, I, have, I, I, I have a backup. I got a, a Dixieland, which is another local. Oh, nice. I'm down um, but uh, yeah, the, the I guess the, the Beat Devil music stuff, man, it's, it's just been a real cool, um, you know, if nothing else, it's, it, it brings back some memories from, uh, you know, just touring and yeah. playing out live a lot, you know, because I, I came across so many good bands just playing together, you know, yeah. sharing stage that it's, you know, you, you, you find a guy that you haven't talked to or, or a gal you haven't talked to in five years, maybe 10 years. And you're like, shit, what are you up to? Hey, <laughs> right. let's go out, you know, and it's, it's, it's fun. I just, I really think it's cool that you've, you've uh, worked yourself into producing and, and engineering and uh, just because it's it, the the art form in and of itself um, really just pushes the envelope because I mean we've we've all we kind of touched on a little bit before the show started but we've we've all kind of come up in this age of just pushing a button and just doing this and everybody thinks anybody can be anything and you know when you look at the the popular music and the stuff we hear on a regular basis and um you know, we've, we've got our staples and all that, but at some point we're all still making art and it's, yeah. it's just really cool. I think. Well, you're, you're hitting on kind of a, a, an interesting point in terms of production and engineering, like kind of my, my debate as an artist, it's, it's not only a, you know, so you've got pro tools, so anybody can buy software and record at home now. And that's kind of the route that I took, um, especially just, you know, to be able to make my own demos. Um, you know, I still work with highfalutin mix engineers that are, you know, have much more experience and are way better at it than I am. So I, you know, when there's something I'm serious about putting out, I defer to them, you know? So like Cold World was mixed by a guy named James Harley, uh, Minnesota native, but he's in LA now. But, you know, he, he told me he, his last gig, he was working for Prince right up to his death. Wow. And, uh, you know, so really interesting to hear stories about working with him. You know, I have another friend from Minnesota, Takumi, who's a 
world-renowned guitar tech. Um, you know, he works for he he was he did uh, he worked for ACDC. He worked for uh, Bon Jovi. I mean, a lot of big acts. You know, mm-hmm. but prior to that, you know, um, what made him a sought-after guitar tech was he was Prince's guy. He was Prince's studio and live guy for eight, nine years, you know, but um, really demanding job. He got burnt out because Prince was the type of guy that, you know, he would, you know, the muse would strike him at any hour of the day, (laughs) three, four in the morning, and he'd get a call. Takumi would get a call and say, hey, man, uh, I'm ready. Like, I got an idea. Let's go into the studio. And, you know, so that was that. That was his job for a while, you know. But um, my muse likes but, to shout at me at four in the morning, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's great. You know? yeah. I think some of the best stuff I've written has been in the witching hours for sure. Um, but back to Derek Abrams, a great drummer. He played in Ginger Jake for me briefly. Um, he did a short stint in Future Leaders of the World, uh, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I can't remember, but he I can't remember if Carl, the original drummer, was at the Dayton show. I think it was Carl. Not I think Derek. it was, yeah. But um, yeah, we had a revolving door of drummers uh, uh, in that band. But um, so, are you having people come to you to record, or are you sending them tracks and they're recording in their uh, well, so, studios, or how how are you going about that? So, kind of uh, to address both those questions. Uh, and kind of like the technology of art um, and the title of these EPs coming out. So it's Derek came up with that Chocolate Shotgun Sessions title, and then I decided to split it into two EPs. So the I don't know if the first one or the second one will be which, but it's uh, kind of addressing where we are with music technology and being able to program drums versus organic drums. Um, you know, it's kind of a... A decision that I make sometimes too when I'm producing a song: do I do I program the drums? Do I get a live drummer? You know, you've got expenses to consider because if you want to do live drums, you got to go into a studio. It costs more money. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Derek, he I flew him. He, he was uh, so after Future Leaders of the World, he moved to LA. He, he eventually ended up getting the gig with Ministry. So he man, he got to just be you know live the dream. He did the Slayer farewell tour this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had some time off in uh, 2019, and I, I I flew him over here, and he tracked five drums at a at a good friend's studio, wow. uh, David cool. Troya, and uh, so I've got some songs that are programmed, and I've got some songs with live drums. So that kind of lended to the two titles that I'm kind of playing with, which be Beat Devil Music presents Chocolate Shotgun Sessions, uh, EP one. Um, I'm working with the title uh, Digerati Overload. And then the second EP is going to be Analog Rehab. And I'm kind of trying to put the songs into those categories of, you know, did I program drums or did I have a live drummer? Um, and, and it's kind of the juxtaposition of, of uh, you know, speaking socially to, uh, you know, where we're at with technology in terms of both music and societally and, and you know, our interface with, you know, your iPhone or your, you know, just technology every day versus, you know, I think about growing up, playing outside every day versus <laughs> kids stuck on video games, you know, so that I think where those titles are coming from. But um, 
don't know. Did that answer the question? Yeah. No, I'm rambling yeah. again. I, I think, well, what I got out of what you were just saying there, that really kind of my takeaway from what you were just saying was that you're using technology as a brush, you know, and you've got, you've got a canvas, which basically is our ears and you're, you're putting everything together so that we have the art form that is coming out of you. And I, I can hear it just in your, in your words that there's, there's so much in there. It's, I can't wait to hear all, all of what you have going on. Yeah, you might hate some of it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I try to be open-minded. Well, I mean, we make fun of some things on here and, you know, all that, but I, I'm pretty open-minded when it's it comes like to It's like I tell styles. people every day, if if if, uh, if they buy a CD or I let them listen to my music, it's like, hey, if you don't like it, I don't get offended. Not everybody likes Queen. Not everybody likes Led Zeppelin. Mm. It's it's like, so how are you going to get mad? If there's, there's people out there that don't like some of the greatest, I, I don't care for the Beatles. But that don't make them wrong. That mm -hmm. just makes, you know, it's just not for me. So I don't get, how am I going to get offended that somebody doesn't like one of my songs? Because, you know, there's so much out there that's yeah. way better that people don't like. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, there is. It's, it's overwhelming. Like, I get on, you know, uh, iTunes on my iPhone or whatever, and I just have an Apple Music subscription. And uh, you just go down those rabbit holes of music, man. It's, it's just crazy how much content is out there, you know? What I love is being able to discover new music from old bands. And that, for me, that's the best part about living in this mm -hmm. age. You can go on YouTube and you can listen to, there's Black Sabbath songs I haven't heard. It's like, oh my God, this is so awesome. And and there's, you know, guest spots and stuff that you really had to, you had to work hard. You had to go to the fucking library. Yeah. When, right. I, when I was 20 to, to try to find any of this stuff yeah. and, and hear about it. And you had to order these imports and there's... You know, oh, there's three bonus tracks I didn't know was on on this album. Yeah. It was for just in Europe. It's like yep. that. Yeah. That is what's amazing. A lot of times we focus on the negative that technology has brought to the art world, but that's especially in music. That's one good thing. There's just so much. You, 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 Sabbath isn't putting out new music. Zeppelin isn't putting out new music. But you can find some of this stuff and some of these live things and these covers that these bands have done and. It's it's like Christmas, so I still get I still get excited about that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, I do too. Like I just discovered a song the other night. I was uh, I was going through uh, Amazon Prime and looking at uh, just music documentaries, and I stumbled across this one. I think it was called Loaf. Uh, it was a Caius documentary about um, Palm Springs, California, and the stoner rock scene that came out of you know, kind of, you know, Caius that led to Queens of the Stone Age. Right. And it was about the, uh, the nude bowl, <laughs> the, the, the skateboarding part in like outside Palm Desert. And in the credits of the documentary, at the very end of the song, there was, there was a song that just like, just grabbed me. I think I've listened to it 50 times since Thursday. Um, this band called Life Leone, um, and the song was called Is This Love? And I can only find it on YouTube. But, man, if there's anybody listening out there, you want to hear some cool new music. It, it was from, like, 2013, but it's seriously, it's my my favorite song right now. So it's like, yeah, it's like that, that, that to your point, uh, that that's a positive thing about technology, about just music discovery and art discovery. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it is. I, I know this feels like a really somber episode for us, too, but... Uh, I, I'm I'm digging this. This is the shit. It really is. I mean, this is this is what 
for me as an artist, um, th this this is what the show is all about. You start discovering a lot of different things. You know, as we're sitting there talking to Ian and 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 listening, and and Paul, you've had some things in here that really made me think that I need to appreciate more. I mean, I'm kind of having an epiphany here at this moment. Not that I'll ever like Jackson Pollock, but... Oh, here we go. <laughs> or Nickelback. Maybe. Or Nickelback, yeah. But uh, it, it's kind of one of them things where you just, you kind of have to... And there is a respect there. And, and I think right. anybody listening to the show is going to have to understand that, uh, and I'm not really pushing this, but I think at some, some degree as artist, I think whether you like the material or not, or, or the art, uh, there, there needs to be some level of respect for creation. You know, for sure. So. for sure. Well, that's like what I always say. I, I don't I don't get mad if somebody says they don't like something I've done. I have no problem with that. It's not for me. It's not for them, whatever. But when someone's like, oh, that sucks. It's Or if I play, yeah. play something for a, a girlfriend and it's like, oh, that sucks. It's like, no, you suck. You suck as a person yeah. on a very deep level. It's you don't like it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But just you're just dismissing it as sucking. Uh I, I don't know. It, it, I think a lot of people do that knee jerk and they don't yeah. even realize it. But you got to look at the world. Not everybody likes cornflakes. You know, not everybody yeah. likes steak. Not yep. everybody likes all these different things. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean it sucks. And that's something I have to remind myself every day as well. Just because I don't like what they're doing doesn't mean it's not valid. It just means I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I don't want to listen to it. But. Life, life without diversity is like living life in a monotone world. Right. Exactly. It really is. So I, I got to ask Ian, because this is this is kind of moving on into what we're doing next. Who or what inspired you to make your make music your art? I mean, it there had to be something that kind of sparked that that interest, right? Well, it wasn't. I'll tell you, it wasn't. It could have been piano, but um, I had lessons when I was a kid. But man, my my teacher had such bad breath. It was like <laughs> it, every lesson was just a chore to get through. <laughs> I'm I'm half joking, no. But I, I really probably could attribute like my ability, like ear training, for instance, just like mm -hmm. I could listen to a song on the radio and just kind of pick it up or whatever by ear. And I would say that's attributed to my my childhood piano teacher. But I would say the 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 pinnacle moment. So I grew up in a really small town in southwestern Minnesota. All my friends were like you know dairy farmers and shit. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I grew up without, we didn't like the town was so small. We didn't have cable TV. So I didn't, oh, wow. you know, I'm, I'm 44, born in 76. Mm -hmm. So M MTV started in what? 82, something like that. I think. Yeah. Um, so my dad was working on a master's degree. One of those summers, I think it was like the first year of MTV. And we moved to Mankato, Minnesota for the summer so he could attend classes. And I discovered MTV so that kind of put my wrap my brain kind of connected the dots between like my dad's old vinyl punk rock records from the 70s from you know sex pistols talking heads stuff like that and then i started seeing the videos and i was like wow you know so i was probably 11 at the time mm -hmm. 10 or 11 and then i saw um i was younger than that probably um but i would say the pinnacle moment that i switched to guitar and i was like this is what i want to do was i saw the video for metallica one and really? you know it just i changed me i don't know it just it was that's such a great video too. <laughs> one of those moments where you're just like holy shit i think this is what i want to do you know yeah 
That's fantastic. So, yeah. So that, that right there proves my point that every child needs to have some exposure to different art. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you came up with your music teacher teaching you piano and you were only learning the classics, you may only be playing the classics today. Not Not saying that's a wrong thing to do. It's just that if everybody only played the classics, we wouldn't have all these different colors of art in terms of music, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Before we get off on, on the subject, you said something earlier, Ian, about uh, uh, some of your songs may have a this influence or that influence, and you mentioned death metal. What kind of death metal do you like? Because a, a, I love death metal, and I have to ask. So. <laughs> no, right on. Yeah, so... <laughs> The early '90s, I guess. Uh, I was in a band called Mind Rape, and we were, you know, thrash metal, death metal, and um, so there was this club called the Mirage, and we had the fortune, good fortune, of being able to open up for bands like uh, Cannibal Corpse, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> Carcass. <laughs> I think the reason we tuned down to uh, a standard B tuning, which is basically like, you know, taking your high E string, It'd be a seven string guitar with low B, but on a six string guitar, taking the high E string off, it was B, yeah, B, A, D, D, B, E, without the E. And, um, yeah, so like we tuned down because of bands like that, you know, Napalm Death, um, the list goes on, Iron Monkey, um, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, cause I played piano growing up. I played trumpet in junior high and then taught myself guitar. I've just, I just appreciate good music. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm not, you feel something, that's the main thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I remember being a kid had a stereo on, a, on my bed in, in the headboard and I would just lay on my bed and I knew it was a good song if the hair stood up on my arm. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. Get that feeling. <laughs> You said earlier in the show that you're not a singer. Um, did you sing Love Never Comes Easy? <laughs> I did, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. No, no, that's a that's a that's got some commercial viability to it. Tell us uh tell us a little bit about that and how that how well, more people probably know the song than they think they know. Um well, speaking of witching hours, that would be like a. I think I, I think I was at my Ginger Jake studio after a show on like a Saturday night, and it's like everybody went home, and it's like four a.m. and it was a it was a big studio. Um, you know, you could crash in it if you needed to, and uh, we had you know early recording gear there. So I was like, I, I came up with that initial riff, which is actually. Um, the same chord progression. I think the reason it sticks in your head is it's the same chord progression as like Johnny Be Good. Oh, yeah, very, I didn't think about that. Very, uh, been used many times, but Johnny Be Good, I think, was the, I, I think, kind of the, the first. You, you can trace the roots to that chord progression to that song, probably. And I didn't realize it until afterwards, you know, but that it's, it's a major key chord. It's probably the happiest sounding song I've ever written. Yeah, it's very happy. But, uh, but yeah, that that riff just came from me being a little buzzed at four a.m. and uh, <laughs> on a nylon string, shitty acoustic guitar with a shitty mic, and that's that's the funny thing too about some of the songs is like even this Cold World song, like sometimes there's uh, 
a moment where you know it's I, I either on just cuff on the spur of the moment played a solo or a riff and you know the fidelity of the of the sound might not be the best but like the take was really good and it's something you couldn't replicate if you tried yeah so it just ends up being on the final recording so the yeah the solo is on that track the, the, I think the little after the first verse little solo noodling thing like that was raw out of the 4 a.m session all by myself <laughs> at the end of the day the, the listener doesn't care that there's a little too much 1k on there they care oh, yeah. it, how it makes them feel and i think that's yeah. we we get when we're when we're artists and producers sometimes we get in our own way with that stuff and and not it it's you know how many of our favorite albums did they record on a four track with one mic yeah. you know we gotta remember yeah. that so well well thinking, yeah. of, thinking of prince i think it might have been one of our other episodes you were talking paul about uh something recorded prince recorded uh and said go with the damn song or something like that it was like uh, I don't even know what song it was. Maybe it wasn't you I was talking to about that, but it's had something to do with uh, it wasn't recorded exactly the way the producers wanted it recorded for the album, and they threw it on the album anyway. Uh, it wasn't. It was, I don't remember. I've had that injury, so it's hard to say. There was, it was a Prince <laughs> tune, but, you know, for everybody listening to uh, Love Never Comes Easy, it was licensed by the Discovery Channel for Deadliest Catch, so they've probably heard it and didn't realize it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it is cool. So I had to throw that in there. That was No, sure. I appreciate that. I kinda you know I can't remember. It's been a few years since that since I put that out, but um I still like it. It's one of those like I picture like you know, why why can't some auto manufacturer call me and say, Hey, we want to use this for our next commercial for the Right, right. It but, it's funny because I drive down California somewhere. Oh yeah, the the first time I heard it, I, I want to say I was, I want to say you sent me something about it back when you did it, and I don't it remember there, exactly yeah. the the deal, but I remember, I, I want to go back to the to Dayton back in 2011 when we were in that tiny little club. I don't even think the club's around anymore. Is it called McGuffey's? Um, yeah, it was a nice club. It was, it was, it was a, a small place, but it was it was intimate. It was fun. It was, that's to me, that's the best place to see a band anyway. But um, we were talking somewhere and I think my art came up somehow. I probably pushed it on you most likely, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you looked at it and it, it struck me because it, it actually has stuck with me. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show too, because I wanted to publicly thank you for, uh, actually giving me a little bit of a boost at the time that, you know, whatever it is you're doing, go at it. You know, and and you were you were pretty adamant about, uh, hey, dude, that's that's really good, and you should be doing that. And um, I hadn't heard that really from from uh, from anybody at the time. I was chasing. I don't want to say it like that. Uh, I was I was doing the photography thing because it was what I knew, and I was able to make some money at it. And to make this go full circle with your uh, "Love Never Comes Easy" song. It, it is that we kind of dive in doing things to make ends meet, you know, and, and, and I would encourage everybody to go listen to the song because you'll know more about what I'm talking about here. Um, Thanks for the quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you just kind of, 
you you dig in and you're like, you know, there's other things that you want to do. And sometimes you got to you got to put your boots on and go do something else just to do it. And uh, it sucks. It really does, especially. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here with with artist types because we we tend to eat shit just so we can do the cool things, you know. Yeah. So trade off for sure. Yeah. I had to throw not, a, not everybody has the luxury to be nickelback, let's just say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, I shouldn't laugh out loud like that. Well, man, funny story about Nickelback. I actually ended up on a tour as a guitar tech for my darkest days. No shit. <laughs> that I was yeah, Future Little of the World had like a little bit of a hiatus, like 2012, 13. We had a I, when I initially moved to New Orleans, the, the, we finished the record in Seattle in 2009, went on tour. We were supposed to get uh, the record was supposed to get distributed by EMI mm-hmm. on a British label. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of it, they got bought out by a Japanese bank and the, uh, I think like bank, soft bank or something like that, Japanese bank. Mm. And deal went south. Uh, Phil, the singer, went back to... Um, Machina, his other band with like John LeCompte and Rocky George from Evanescence, mm-hmm. and uh, Rocky George, player. Rocky George from uh, Suicidal I'm Tendencies. Re- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, different, different Rocky, oh, okay. different Rocky. The the original drummer, I forget Rocky's last name now. Now that I think about it, again, you want to ask influences, Suicidal Tendencies, definitely. An influence. Oh hell yeah, Factious Grooves. Oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, now you're bringing back memories. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, I gotta lay off this Andy Gator. I'm really rambling here. No, no, no. It's what this is what the whole lounge atmosphere is about, and everybody sitting at home is digging it. I'm sure of it. Um. Okay. What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> we'll blame it on Paul. <laughs> you, were saying, you were saying you were telling us a Nickelback story. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay, okay. So yeah, so I found myself too much time on my hands, and speaking of Takumi, uh, my guitar tech friend, you know, ACDC Bon Jovi guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he called me up. He said, Ian, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, sweating my ass off in July in New Orleans. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, well, uh, we just, I need a guitar tech for my darkest days. Guy can't, uh, can't complete the tour. He's like, can you be in Pennsylvania in two days? And I was like, let me check with, uh, let me check with the old lady. And, uh, yeah, sure. So I ended up, so it was Takumi was teching for, um, uh, for Chad Kroger and uh, my other friend Brian Herb, another guitar tech from Minneapolis, was teching for. So it was Nickelback, Bush, and my my darkest days. Mm-hmm. So two days later, I find myself in a freaking football stadium in Pennsylvania. Um, never met the band, didn't know any of their songs, didn't know any of their tunings. Three guitar players, a keyboard player, and I was in charge of all of their gear. And yeah. I was just like, okay, well, Takumi must trust me. So. <laughs> I literally showed up to the show about four hours before the gig, got a crash course with all their gear and their tunings and uh, went, you know, pulled it off. Um, I guess cause I'm, I, I'm a gearhead, So that's why Takumi trusted me. You know, I know MIDI and stuff like that and all that, all that job. But, um, but yeah, that was uh that was an interesting tour just from the standpoint of when you're talking about like, you know, um, you may not like the music, but you got to respect the the system or the effort or the right. absolutely the machine, you know, I mean, I'm not opposed to having any of those guys on the show. I'm really not. And in, in fact, it, it's, uh, we joke about this all the time and they are sort of the butt of every joke. And I think it's a popular culture thing, but 
Um, it is. Just, you know, it is what I it think is. it's easy. It's easy to absorb that too. If you're on the other end, when you're so wildly successful. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm it, waiting for people to pick on me. I want them to pick on me like that, you know, cause then I'm, and then I know I made it. Right. So, yeah, yeah. The, no, what's the saying? Uh, no such thing as bad press. I guess. A- absolutely. Yeah. Apathy is what you don't want. Hatred yeah. and love yeah. is great. Apathy, yeah. not, that's what you, that's that's wrong. I would I would rather up, I would rather upload a song and have a thousand people saying this sucks, right? Versus three people saying great song. Yeah, but you know it all it all it all matters, man. I'm not trying to ostracize anybody. Oh yeah, man, this is fun. I hate to say that we're at last call already. Oh uh, shit! This, is a, this is a fucking travesty. I know, right? That's how the show goes. We start really getting into a groove, and it's fun. Um, One more hour. Yeah. One more yeah. hour. We'll, we'll do the uh, Joe Rogan thing and have like a four-hour session. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about all the little points that I wanted to bring up anyway, but I, I know there's so much more to your story. Um, but I know we have to do this based on our own production schedule. So I'm going to be the asshole and throw this in there that – we have reached the segment of the show where I ask rapid fire questions and give the folks listening time to finish that drink, suck down that mule, do whatever it is that they do. <laughs> that didn't fire. sound good, did it? Suck down that mule. Anyway, uh, Ian. Suck down the- <laughs> Are we in Tijuana? Yeah, yeah we're cut off we're now. We're live no more, in Tijuana no at the donkey show. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ian, this is your rapid fire question. Uh, what would the world be like without music? Hell on earth. Oh, good answer. I was waiting for something like that. Paul, pick just one. Money, fame, happiness, or contentment? Rapid fire, buddy. Happiness. <laughs> happiness, yeah, because with happiness, you clearly have the others. Right. Uh, Ian, if you had one piece of advice for an aspiring artist, what would it be? Play every day. Play every day. Play as if it's your last. Yeah. Yeah. Dig it. One last question. This one's for Ian because Paul's with me every day. Uh, because you are the guest here, I got to ask, DC Comics or Marvel Comics? Man, that's a tough one. It is. <laughs> and it's like I can't even necessarily go like the non-Hollywood route on mm-hmm. that either. Ugh. Uh, you know... I like Deadpool. So yeah. is that Mar- is that Marvel? That's Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, that one. I would have said image just to be a dick. Right. But but you know, I got way more Marvel comics than I got DC. So. Well, it's funny though, because I didn't plan this and I didn't tell you I never tell Paul what the hell's going on before these shows. And he's wearing a Batman t shirt right now. There we go. So, you know. Traitor. <laughs> I actually was going to wear my Green Lantern comic, uh, my Green Lantern shirt, but uh, Paul, you still got a pretty big glass of. I'm booze not drinking there. that. That is disgusting. Really? I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm pissed at you that you had me put that in my mouth. <laughs> I would rather do the donkey thing that we were talking about oh, earlier no, than drink no, this beer. No, no, no. Oh, jeez. Well, for everybody at Six Sense who is is listening to the show and, and know that I brought beer with me today i enjoyed it i enjoyed it quite a bit and i have a can of the new england ipa that you sell down there too and forgive me i don't remember the name of it 
but uh, I will be hitting that later I this evening. I don't think that Six Sense is upset that they made a beer for a guy that don't drink beer and doesn't like beer, that he didn't <laughs> like it. I don't think they're upset about that. Right. I would buy one. I'd support it. I love the can. I think this can's bad. It's a crowler. I mean, it, you keep saying that. That means nothing to me. I want that. They, I want they actually, they can it while you're on, on site. I got to go check this out. We should do that. Let's go do it. You, you drive since you don't like beer, and I'll I'll and, taste test everything. And you'll be a passenger because you like beer a lot. I do. All right, that's the end of the show. It's over. Yeah, it is already. Yeah, that's we're what boring. She said. We're boring Ian already. He's like, hey, I, I'm the <laughs> guest here. All right. So anyway, I want to thank Ian Severson for being on the show. I, I tell you, it was uh, this is something we've worked on for a long time. I uh, I had a lot of anxiety even having you on the show because I was thinking to myself. I gotta get this shit together before I have you on. So, wow, oh, man, I, I woke up a little hungover from last night, and I was like, "Oh shit, how does this app work?" <laughs> right. Well, and I gotta tell you, I, I purposely try to, uh, when we have a guest on, not find out anything about them, so I can kind of just react and be spontaneous. Yeah. But I am so looking forward, honestly, to checking out your music and learning more about you. And uh, and uh, I'm just really glad that you were on today. Seriously. I, I appreciate you guys having me for real. Feel good Sunday for sure. Yeah, it was fun. Really good times. I hope everybody at home enjoyed it too. And with that, I will say goodbye to everybody. Share this episode. Subscribe if you're not already. And I'd love for you to give us a review. Once again, I am Michael Worth, and this is the All Walks of Art podcast. I'm thankful you shared your time with us, and I hope you become a regular. You can find links for Paul and I in the show notes. And I will drop a lot of information about Ian in the show notes as well. So if you missed everything, I want you to basically go there and take a look at it. If you are not of the type of person who wants to look around for things, I'm going to ask Ian, how can people find you, Ian? Um, let's see. You can find me on Instagram at the Seversonian, S-E-V-E-R-S-O-N-I-A-N, or uh, Facebook, Beat Devil Music. Um, also do a Google search for beat double music on pop up, make it easy. Um, but yeah, all, all, all music, ginger Jake, future leaders, of the world, beat double music. You'll, you, you can find links on, uh, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. So appreciate anybody who listens, man. Thank yeah. you. Very cool. Very cool. I Ian. just added you live, yeah. live, live, right on the show. Boom. <laughs> very cool. Let's all, uh, let's all raise a glass and, uh, have a good Cheers. One. Cheers. Thanks, guys. We'll see you All right. later. Later.